Welcome back to Read This Next with Laura and Nicole at the Thunder Bay Public Library. Today we are celebrating one of our favorite seasons, <laughs> that being spooky season. It's spooky season. Uh, it's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to make this a two-parter because there's so many good books that came out this well this year and other ones that we've, that we've missed from previous years. So it's yeah. Yeah, so um, last year we kind of broke it down and I think we did like slashers and I can't remember what the other topic was, but thrillers, this year, thrillers, this year it's just a big old jumble mm -hmm. of all different kinds of horror. So there's some that are like more literary horror and there's some that are um, supernatural. And then I don't, I think there's one or two that might be serial killers, but to be fair, <laughs> I feel like we've recommended a couple serial killer books recently anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I, it will include, as always in the show notes, any other books that we've recommended that fall under the same category. So um, make sure you check that out as well. I think that's my spiel. I love it. Okay, cool. And I know I'm purple, so I get to go first. You do. I love the cover of this one. Oh, it uh, sounds so good. This right? Book. Uh, so this is The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean, uh, out on the Yorkshire Moors, whoa, Yorkshire? Yorkshire? Yorkshire. Yorkshire Moors lives a secret line of people for whom books are food and who retain all of the book's contents after eating it. To them, spy novels are a peppery snack, romance novels are sweet and delicious. Eating a map can help them remember destinations and children when they misbehave are forced to eat dry, musty pages from dictionaries. Devin is part of the family, an old and reclusive clan of book eaters. Her brothers grow, uh, grow, her brothers grow up feasting on stories of valor and adventure, and Devin, like all other book eater women, is raised on a carefully curated diet of fairy tales and cautionary stories. Boom. Yeah. But real life doesn't always come with happy endings, as Devin learns when her son is born with a rare and darker kind of hunger. Not for books, but for human minds. It's people. Intense. I will say, if it was like older fairy tales, that's kind of like, those are rough stories. <laughs> that's true. It's true. But it's still very like negative, closely prescribed. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Very specific gender roles in those. Yeah. It sounds cool. Feeding mm -hmm. books. Yes. And it is, um, <clears throat> I've read a little bit more about it. It's, it's, it's focused a lot on like motherhood and what you're willing to do for your children. Mm. <laughs> How far is this woman willing to go to provide for her child's um, appetites? <laughs> oh, yeah. It can, it can get very dark very fast. There. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I haven't read all of the books I'm going to talk about on this list, but a few of them. So this one is one I have read. <laughs> this cover is, I think, quite good and creepy as well. Oh, yeah. I don't mm -hmm. like it, but I like, you know, like, I like it, but I don't like it. <laughs> I like a font choice, though. Yeah. Okay, so this book is called Hide. It's by Kirsten White, and she's written some YA. I feel like Camelot. we might correct some of her YA before, maybe. Yeah. Um, but this is an adult one. Okay, so set up. The challenge, spend a week hiding in an abandoned amusement park and don't get caught. The prize, enough money to change everything. Even though everyone is desperate to win, to seize their dream futures or escape their haunting pasts, Mac feels sure she can beat her competitors. All she has to do is hide, and she's an expert at that. 
It's the reason she's alive and her family isn't. But as the people around here begin disappearing one by one, Mac realizes this competition is more sinister than she imagined and that together might be the only way to survive. 14 competitors, seven days, everywhere to hide, but nowhere to run. Come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> high, high stakes, hide and seek competition. Ooh. Yeah. So, I keep forgetting that these are scary books and then they keep getting creepier and creepier in the descriptions. <laughs> I mean, I will say the cover should have tipped you off there. It's Absolutely. A little, little rotted looking. Um, but this one, it it's it the setup is that it's like, oh, do you want to? Some people have been contacted and they're all gonna be on a it's gonna be a new reality show where you're trapped and the challenge is you're in this park and you have to uh, make it through. And then as the days pass. The contestants are like, oh, this seems seemed quite abrupt that that person disappeared or, you know, was caught and left. What, yeah. what else could be going on? Um, and it does like it's not it says in the description supernatural. So it's not a spoiler to say that we do fall into one of those sort of uh, directions. Cool. Um, lots of um, unexpectedly like family lore stuff oh. happening. Um, but also like some really nice, really nice <laughs> these horror books. And I'm like, it's nice. This really, <laughs> these building relationships between the characters, um, you know, trauma bonding gets to us all, but just like the way that the, the characters get to know each other and rely on each other or choose not to, if they think, oh, well, I'll do better by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, very revealing and interesting, uh, thoughtful bonds being being formed together uh yeah um also lots of like the evil of people uh, as mm. well despite it, it's supernatural but there's a lot of like they're like who is the, the real monster yeah who's the real monster here yeah um, so keep that in mind I would say that that one is a little bit um gorier okay and some of the others on the list that kind of makes sense considering it's a monster they don't yeah they're yeah. not tidy. No, that yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not known for that. No, no. Oh man, I a lot of these covers are really good. This next I one is cool. Right? Um, this is Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth. Uh, when Ralph and Abby Lamb move in with Ralph's mother, Laura, Abby hopes it's just what she and her mother-in-law need to finally connect. After a traumatic childhood, Abby is desperate for a mother figure, especially now that she and Ralph are trying to become parents themselves. Abby's had, uh, Abby just has so much love to give. To Ralph, to Laura, and to Miss, uh, Mrs. Bondi, her favorite resident in the long-term care home where she works. But Laura isn't interested in bonding with her daughter-in-law. She's venomous and cruel, especially to Abby, and, uh, and life with her is hellish. When Laura takes her own life, her god oh, I can't speak. Her ghost haunts Abby and Ralph in very different ways. Ralph is plunged into depression and Abby is terrorized by a force intent on destroying everything she loves. To make matters worse, Mrs. Bondy's daughter is threatening to move Mrs. Bondy from the home, leaving Abby totally alone. With everything on the line, Abby comes up with a chilling plan that will allow her to keep Mrs. Bondy, rescue Ralph from his tortured mind, and break Laura's hold on the family for good. All it requires is a little ingenuity, a lot of determination, and a, and a unique recipe for, <laughs> for chicken a la king. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, when you see those, like, 
my worst, the worst mother-in-law story you've ever heard. Well, this one sounds like it's going to be worse. Yeah. Like even in death. Yeah. <laughs> even in death, she won't <laughs> leave them alone. Uh, yeah. Sounds interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And another one that like funny, cause it's starting with very matter of fact, like day-to-day -day relationship stuff, and then takes a kind of sidestep into the supernatural. Suddenly she's a ghost. Suddenly oh. she's a ghost, but she still won't leave. A darkly funny domestic horror. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next one is called Hidden Pictures by Jason Reculak. Okay. Wildly inventive spin on the classic horror story. So this one, I will say, like reading it, I was like, a lot of this sounds very familiar. Um, but apparently like reviews are very good. So he's found a new angle on some of these, I guess. Okay. Both. Oh, it is a creepy and warm-hearted mystery. All right. <laughs> Fresh out of rehab, Mallory Quinn takes a job in the affluent suburb of Springbrook, New Jersey, as a babysitter for Ted and Carolyn Maxwell. She is to look after their five-year-old son, Teddy. Mallory immediately loves this new job. She lives in the Maxwell's pool house, goes out for nightly runs, and has the stability she craves. And she sincerely bonds with Teddy, a sweet, shy boy who is never without his sketchbook and pencil. His drawings are the usual fare, trees, rabbits, balloons. But one day he draws something different, a man in the forest dragging a woman's lifeless body. Oh no, okay. <laughs> As the days pass, Teddy's artwork becomes more and more sinister and his stick figures steadily evolve into more detailed, complex and lifelike sketches well beyond the ability of any five-year-old. I was gonna say, I mean, some of my, some five-year-old's pictures that I've seen, it could be a man dragging a woman's lifeless body in the forest, or it could be a kid dragging a sled. And how would you know? It could be just two blobs with arms that yes. are in the same area. But clearly his, his skills evolve. Okay. So yeah. Mallory begins to suspect these are glimpses of an unsolved murder from long ago, perhaps relayed by a supernatural force lingering in the forest behind the Maxwell's house. With help from a handsome landscaper and an eccentric neighbor, Mallory sets out to decipher the images and save Teddy while coming to terms with a tragedy in her own past before it's too late. Ooh. Mm -hmm. They're just like a little bit of romance. <laughs> yeah, just a little, a little just romance. Just a teeny little bit. As a treat. <laughs> I'm so curious how she gets from the conclusion that this gruesome art is definitely an old unsolved murder. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I want to know where the jump is there because that's that's oh, interesting. I guess maybe she's like, where else could these images be coming from? Imagination. Maybe this <laughs> five-year-old has overseen too many CSI episodes. It's possible. Maybe it's possible. CSI doesn't exist in this book. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. We're just speculating. But yeah. it sounds like you know, like it's the the whole like, you know, nanny with creepy children. Heaven mm -hmm. knows that's not a particularly new idea for a horror, but it sounds like there's a, you know, a different vibe to it that is, yeah. introduces something new. The child isn't actually the creepy one. They're just like, there's something a creepy conduit. going on. Yes. Okay. Oh. This next one of yours, it is, I think it is so interesting. You'll have to tell me if you're intrigued. Okay. I like the cover to begin <laughs> with. Um, a lot of these are kind of like older art styles in my mind and i'm not sure why uh okay this is our wives under the sea by julia armfield 
Mary thinks she's gotten her wife uh, she's got her wife back when Leah finally returns after a deep sea mission that ended in catastrophe. It soon becomes clear though that Leah is not the same. Whatever happened in the vessel, whatever it was they were supposed to be studying before they were stranded on the ocean floor, Leah has brought back part of it with her onto dry land and into their home. Moving through something that can uh, that only resembles normal life, Mary comes to realize that the life they lived before might be gone. Though Leah is still here, Mary can feel the woman she loves slipping away in her uh, whoops. Mary can feel the woman she loves slipping from her grasp. Our Wives Under the Sea is a debut debut novel from Julia Armfield, um, author of Salt Slow. It's a story of falling in love, loss, grief, and what life there is left in the deep, deep sea. Yes. Interesting. It's a very short description. What I the, I the 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 feeling I got from it is that potentially it might have some similars to Annihilation, which is that which is um Jeff Bandermere book and then it was also a movie. Okay. And that was where the woman's husband goes on like a scientific expedition basically and then disappears but comes back and at first she's so happy but then um he didn't come back quite the same. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh it sounds like this might be going in that same sort of like what what happened under there and what did she bring home and how is yeah. it changing her? It's also, um, on a different note, another one of those stories that sounds like it has uh, LGBTQ people, but doesn't focus on them being LGBTQ. They're yeah. just like horror living, for lesbians. They're living their lives. Yeah. That's, living that's, their unfortunate supernatural lives. Their haunted, <laughs> horror-filled life. Um, and that actually reminds me, same with um, Hyde that I mentioned earlier. Oh. Actually has... Um, like one of the main the main characters they have it's they have lgbtq characters within the the group Yay. and there's a very sweet um when i talked about the very sweet romances or sweet relationships one of them is sapphic <laughs> okay this next one i have not read okay <laughs> it's for a change um i did read this author's last book and we did wreck it actually previously um, on the show so might sound vaguely familiar the author the book is called the woman could fly it's by Megan Giddings and uh, it's compared to Margaret Atwood Shirley Jackson and Octavia Butler so that's some pretty big names mm-hmm. okay so this is a, a dystopian and it's set in a world in which witches are real and single women are closely monitored Josephine Thomas has heard every conceivable theory about her mother's disappearance, that she was kidnapped, murdered, that she took on a new identity to start a new family, that she was a witch. This is the most worrying charge because in a world where witches are real, peculiar behavior raises suspicions and a woman, especially a black woman, can find herself on trial for witchcraft. But 14 years have passed since her mother's disappearance and now Jo is finally ready to let go of the past. Yet her future is in doubt. The state mandates that all women marry by the age of 30 or enroll in a registry that allows them to be monitored, effectively forfeiting their autonomy. At 28, Jo is ambivalent about marriage. With her ability to control her life on the line, she feels as if she has her she has never understood her mother more. When she's mm. offered the opportunity to honor one last request from her mother's will, Jo leaves her regular life to feel connected to her one last time. Exploring the limits women's face and the powers they have to transgress and transcend them. 
This is like last week when we were talking about witches. We're just like with women, rebellion, witches. <laughs> witches, covens. Yeah. Yeah. This one is like Halloween spooky in a way that the other ones aren't because it's got witches. <laughs> well, you know what I do find peculiar? Like if well, I'm assuming I'm 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 assuming that the witches are all women, which it doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but that it's traditionally then why are they also like so controlled and have to be married by the time they're 30? Do you think you'd think that the the woman witches would be in control of the society and they would take that rule and throw it out the window? Maybe that's what they talk about. There's some interesting world building questions I have just from that description. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that might also just be a look at the gender differences between how people would theoretically take over the world if they had powers. Perhaps that's true. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, this last one. Oh, and again, I love the cover. Right? So oh, good. I want that as like a print on my wall. Okay. Uh, the Honeys by Ryan DeSala. Um, Mars has always been the lesser twin, the shadow to her sister Carolyn's radiance. But when Carolyn dies under horrific circumstances, Mars is propelled to learn all he can about his once inseparable sister who'd go- grown tragically distant. Mars's gender fluidity means he is often included from the traditions and expectations of his politically connected family. This includes attendance at the prestigious Aspen Conservancy Summer Academy, where his sister poured so much of her time. Uh, But with his grief still fresh, he insists on attending in her place. What Mars finds is a bubonic uh, fairy tale, not meant, no, not bubonic. (laughs) Yes, I was like, that doesn't seem quite right. Bucolic, but I don't, know, I don't know what that means either. Well, um, like, like a little bit like a dream. Oh, it's okay. So beautiful and so the opposite of bubonic. Okay, <laughs> so he finds a bucolic fairy tale not meant for him. Folksy <laughs> charm and sun-drenched festivities, camouflage old-fashioned gender roles, and a toxic preparatory rigor. Mars seeks out his sister's old friends, a group of girls dubbed the Honeys named for the beehives they maintain behind their cabin. They are beautiful and terrifying, and Mars is certain they're connected to Carolyn's death. But the longer he stays at Aspen, the more sweet, the more the sweet mountain breezes give way to hints of decay. Mars's memories begin to falter, bleached beneath the relentless summer sun. Something is hunting him in broad daylight, toying with his mind. If Mars can't find it soon, it will eat him alive. Another one where the last, just at the very end, they're like, is it supernatural? Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and they don't say exactly what, you know, horrific thing happened to the sister. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't good. No, clearly not. His um, twin. Right. And I actually came across this one. Um, if you look at a recent episode of Dark Academia, that's where I actually came across this one first. And I was like, I'm going to include it in horror. Nice. <laughs> It's very horrific. It's it's the the kind of horrific that's just peeking below the surface. Kind of like Midsommar where you're like, oh, this is a very nice. Yes. Pastoral. uh, Yes. Pastoral is the right word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, psych. (laughs) There's ugliness when you lift up the rock. Yeah. There. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, I'm going to add one more story to our episode. Um, we we weren't able to finish all of them yesterday. 
I was starting to lose my voice. So I'm going to throw in one more for us. Um, I'm going to start with The Wild Hunt by Emma Seckel. Cover's really cool too. Again, kind of nostalgic feeling, just like the other ones were. I like it. Okay. Uh, the Islanders have only three rules. Don't stick your nose where it's not wanted. Don't mention the war. And never let your guard down during October. Lay Wells find... Nope. Lay Wells has not set foot on the island in years. But when she finds herself called home from a disappointing life on the Scottish mainland by her father's unexpected death, she's determined to forget the sorrows of the past. Her mother's abandonment, her father, no, her brother's icy distance, the unspeakable tragedy of World War II. And start fresh. Fellow Islander Ian McTavish, a RAF veteran with his eyes on the sky and his head in the past, is also in desperate need of a new beginning. A young widower, Ian struggles to return to the new life, to the life that he knew before the war. This October is anything but normal. This October, the sloth? S-L-U-A-G-H, are restless, the ominous bird-like creatures of Celtic legend, whispered to carry the souls of the dead, have haunted the islanders for decades, but in the war's wake there are more wandering souls and more slaw. Slaw? When a local boy disappears, Leia and Ian are thrown together to investigate the truth of the island's dark heart and reveal hidden secrets of their own. Rich with historical detail and a skillful speculative edge, Emma Seckles' propulsive and pulse-pounding debut, The Wild Hunt, unwinds long-held tales of love, loss, and redemption. So I'm just going to say that this one does one of my favorite things in um, writing, where the author actually includes a lot of historical mythology. So a lot of the supernatural stuff sounds like it's going to be a lot more based in storytelling so it, i think it'll be an interesting read and also like celtic mythology isn't one that we're usually seeing in um these books that we recommend to you guys so uh perhaps laura has read this one and she'll tell me about it next week but uh if not uh you guys read it and let me know what you think of it all right then i think we'll wrap it up here and then we'll uh come back at you guys in another two weeks with some more horrific reads <laughs> maybe we'll throw in one light one just in case because i've i've been reading a monster book so we'll see right. how it goes um but uh yeah so make sure you like comment subscribe follow us on all the things we're at tbapl across the board you could check out our show notes like laura said we're www.tbplofftheshelf.com um and yeah i think that's everything we'll see you in two weeks bye, bye. <laughs>